The following podcast has been recorded live for your audio pleasure. It is rated M for Mexican. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mexican Matters. I am your host with the most, Mexipants, coming to you live from the city by the bay, Erie, Pennsylvania. Oh, you may wonder why, 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 oh, why do we have an episode on a Friday and why, why are we in Erie, Pennsylvania? Erie PA. Well, as you recall, Mexi has 500 bucks in his MGM account just sitting there. And Pennsylvania, luckily, is one of the states that allows for online sports betting. So we need to make some money. But that's not the only reason we're coming to Pennsylvania. We're actually passing through on our way to Boston, Massachusetts. Because we are, we got to we got to run the virtual Boston Marathon. Megsy was invited. Megsy said, "Why not? Forty bucks? Sure. Give me my second unicorn." Of course, because of COVID and the Delta virus, they lowered the field. So that is why. Might as well piggyback on all those charity runners. But anywho. Uh, the reason we're in Erie right now is also Maxi signed up for an ultra and has to do it virtually now because it got, uh, they gave you the option to either defer or run it virtually. I'm like, uh, run it virtually. And since you're sending me some shitty buckle, uh, sure. Why not? Virtual. So. Towards the tail end of, to, of, of this year, a lot more races have gone flip-flopped because of this nonsense Delta virus. Um, we're also going to pass through, well, obviously you got to drive, that's the first time I'm, I actually am driving all of 90, all the way across, to get to Massachusetts. But uh, we are also going to tiptoe our way into Vermonti because... It is also where Mexi has to do another virtual race because the Vermont Marathon he signed up for, uh, one got canceled, and the other one that Mexi had done before, they decided to turn it into a half or virtual. And I'm like, um, I'm more than likely going to run the 26.2 miles virtually. I ain't got time for your nonsense of uh, doing... Uh, a half. No, nobody. I'm not coming all the way back to Vermont, Vermonti, as I like to call it, to drive a a um, freaking half. I mean, to, to run a half. No, that's not happening. But anywho, so that's the plan. But also today, we're going to spend a little time in Erie. Like I said, for the place, it's a, a nice bet. Uh, I got to do some laps up and down Presque Isle, which is 
as the name suggests, because it's from the French, it's almost an island because it's technically attached to the mainland on Lake Erie. So, and for those who don't remember their geography, there is about a 20-mile stretch of Lake Erie that Pennsylvania just, poop cuts across and just touches in between Ohio and New York. So, for those who don't know the geography or don't remember, Ohio doesn't technically border New York, and Pennsylvania is not technically an actual rectangle. But yes, also, we are here, and this is the main theme of the podcast today, to lay the smackdown on corporate headquarters for Erie Insurance. Because they're on my list, my shit list of insurances, and today's podcast will be focused on why, oh why, do people want to be adjusters, and what does it entail to be an adjuster, why are adjusters shitty, Yada, yada, yada. Because Megsy's got some stories for you. So it's a little bit of a PI seminar today, specifically on adjusters. So there you have it. I contemplated almost doing a special this weekend since I'll be in the Massachusetts, Vermont, New York area. We will see how that flows. Um, potentially. Maybe not. We may have a pre-recorded episode for next week. Live from, who knows? Could be Rochester, New York. Could be Syracuse, New York. Could be Boston itself. Could be, uh, I don't know, Burlington, Vermont. Who knows? Mexi is taking... Mexi is actually driving himself. So, he's got the fast car. The new fast car to get him places faster. So it says it's supposed to be, well, the Boston's a 12-hour drive to um, Erie was about two. In, in Samantha, I once made it to Buffalo in uh, three and a half, taking the scenic route. So we'll see how this goes. But also, like I said, we, we stopped to got, get bagels. We stopped to uh, stopping at Erie. We'll probably stop at Orchard Park to say hi to Buffalo. We might do that on the way back, though, because it'll be Sunday. So they might still be there for game day. Um, But, yeah. It is the first road trip without Storm Super Steve, who passed away. And uh, I just changed out all his coins because I haven't gotten a replacement whole booth piggy, ba- uh, piggy bank for the car so he had like 45 bucks worth of coins in him that's a lot that, i was like that's a lot of fucking money and we just used up quite a few when we paid the tolls in michigan over labor day so i'm like jesus christ although i will say this passing through tolls with the pandemic has gotten a little bit easier because you could literally just pass through the uh, easy pass, and if you don't have one, they'll bill you later, and you just pay it online. Ooh, sounds way more, way less time consuming. But yeah. Anywho, before we get into the main story today, let's remind everybody of our uh, sponsors. As always, the Green Tender. Go to thegreentender.com. Sign up 
for the retreat. They do have a retreat special here coming up in November. So use promo code MEXI and save. TheGreenTender.com. That's where you do your booking. Get your juice on, people. The Green Tender, proud sponsor of the Mexi My Matters podcast. Hand and Stone Massage. Mexi has one scheduled for the 23rd, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, which is the one of the one of the two weekends Mexi had free in October. No, no races on that weekend. Uh, the wife's got one this coming uh, Sunday. Um, while I'm not there, because she wanted back to backs. You can go anywhere in the country. Use promo code MEXI and save on your Swedish massage or your membership. Additional perks not included. Hannah Stone Massage, proud sponsor to Mexi My Matters podcast. And so is American National. Mexi just got his check finally. We'll talk about a little bit about that in a minute. In a minute. Um, for being an excellent driver, join now. Give my man Steve Ramo a call. Use promo code MEXI and save on your bundling. Home, auto, life, umbrella policy. Make sure you're covered. American National, proud sponsor of the Mexi My Matters podcast. And finally, Super Studios 253. Join now. Use promo code MEXI and save on your bundling of classes. Or your first class. Whichever one you prefer. Join now and have Code Super teach you will guide you to be the better version of yourself. Super Studios 253, proud sponsor of the Mexican Matters podcast. Now, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. As I mentioned, Mexi just got his cash price reward for being an excellent driver. It was about 800 bucks. Here's the situation. If my agent was not Steve Ramo, the best agent in the land, I'd have been none the wiser. They didn't tell me. He was like, hey, did you ever get your uh, bonus check? And I'm like, no. When was it sent? In June. Okay. Well, it is now September. Where the fuck is it? Okay. Well, let me see what's going on. So he had to call to the billing department. And then the adjuster in charge of cutting the checks is working from home. Everybody in the insurance business is still working remotely. I think only nationwide that I know of here in Columbus and certain state farm offices have gone, mainly in the south, have gone back to actually coming in. Progressive is still working from home in certain locations. I think up by Cleveland, they are... uh, They have to come in a couple days a week. It's just ridiculous. So the person who needs to process it is working from home. The person cutting the check is also from home. So then there's a person in charge of putting the stop payment on it because guess what? You mail it to my parents' address, they religiously give me my mail, even my stupid junk mail. And you think we didn't get it? No, you just never issued it. So you have to call... Hey, has it been cashed? Obviously not. I didn't get a check. So they have to verify that. Then they have to issue the stop payment. That took a week to clear. So they're telling the agent, oh yeah, it's going to be mailed out. So Raymond's like, yeah, we're sending it out. 
To me, that means it's on its way. For 10 days, I checked the mail at my parents' house. Every day, it wasn't there. And I'm like, Rainbow, can you verify with these idiots when it was actually mailed? Oh, okay, yeah, 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 I can do that. Turns out, the stop payment had barely been processed. And I'm like, okay, well, can you, and, and the adjuster said, in a couple days, it'll be mailed out. I'm like, okay, Ramo, doing what I do, I need you to message me the moment you know for sure the date it was mailed out so I can look out for it. It didn't get sent out until September 29th. So from September 20th, So the 30th, I'm like an idiot checking religiously the mail at my parents' house. Then I'm like, oh, if it just got mailed on the 29th, I don't have to keep checking the mail. Then I remembered my parents get so much junk mail and they're not home. So the likelihood of the mail getting full and the post office going, oh, yeah, no, we're just holding this at the main office. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm not risking that nonsense. So... Here I am, still checking religiously the mail. Finally, the check got there. It finally made its way into the mailbox. Let's see, the 29th, that following Monday was October 4th. So, yeah, this, this, October 5th. So, it still took them almost a week to issue my check into my hand. All because the lady was adamant. Oh yeah, we'll send it out. No, had I not checked, had if I don't do what I do for a living, these mofo's would have sent out the check thirty days later. I ain't got time to wait for that nonsense. So I said, you know what? I'm tired of these adjusters doing this nonsense because they do this to my clients too. Here's the thing. I st- I did so- I've done some research for this episode specifically. I said, is adjuster a good career? There's really no articles to say that. What are the requirements to become an adjuster? I actually went on various websites and various HR websites for the top companies: State Farm, Progressive, Geico, Allstate, Farmers, Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Oh yeah. I went all across the board to figure out if and what were or was needed to become an adjuster. Some of them do not even require you to have a bachelor's degree. Let me tell you a story. There, a while back when Mexi was uh, working at Chase, I believe. There was a time where I wanted to kind of do something better. Actually, no, I think I was working. No, 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 it wasn't Chase. I'm sorry. I take that back. Chase, uh, I was there for a year. NCO Financial Systems poached me from Chase. So I was living in Dublin. And then after that, they got bought out by TSI Industries. Uh, That company folded because that building is not available to rent. (laughs) They're not even there anymore. 
idiots. But anywho, um, when they told me that I couldn't uh, take off the one, the two Saturdays a month I was required to work to go to school, to grad school, I said, fuck this shit. No. So then, that period of time before I started working back as an interpreter and uh, an interpreter dispatch, I, I said, you know, let me look for something part-time, something not so busy that I can uh, do while I go to school. And I actually got interviewed at Safe Auto here in Ohio and their headquarters over there by Easton. For Easton Oval. Yeah, so I met there. Now, mind you, this guy had a bachelor's degree. But they didn't care. All they cared about was that I spoke Spanish. They literally said, you're going to sit with someone and they'll show you what to do. So you're not even training me properly for two full weeks on how to be an adjuster. You're going to have me sit with someone and then you'll just kind of pick it up on the fly. This is where... This is why Safe Auto, as a car insurance company, sucks. However, if you're poor or if you're in need of insurance because you don't have a license, license suspended, yada, yada, they're very good at insuring you. They're about the, hey, I had them at one point. They're about the only insurance that would insure me to drive for the state minimum in Ohio while I had my privileges back in the day. But they just hire everybody. I looked around at all the reps that spoke Spanish. I mean, you're, I, they, they all could have been fill-ins, extras on an episode of Narcos. I mean, you're telling me that these people are your adjusters? And you're supposed to have, mind you, let's, let's sidebar for a second. As an insurance company, you have the initial adjuster that touches base with you, and if he can get you convince you to get accept the money and sell the claim, it's done there, right there. Then you have the property damage adjuster. That's the person in charge of fixing, of evaluating the car and fixing it. If your car is a total loss, then there's a total loss adjuster. If you need to use MedPay on your policy, if you have that coverage, there's a MedPay adjuster that handles that. If you have bodily injury, it's a bodily injury adjuster for the liability. The liability adjuster, that's a separate person. They investigate who's at fault if it's a tricky situation. If it's a he said, she said, or uh, if you need some comparative negligence assigned. There's the special investigation unit adjuster in case you're trying to commit fraud and they're usually the ones that dig a little deeper into uh, your history and what happened in the accident because you're trying to pull a fast one. The most common scenario I run into at work, your name's not on the fucking police report and you're claiming you're injured. That, that immediately will get you an SIU adjuster assigned to your fucking case. Then on top of that, you have, like I said, the bodily injury adjuster working with... Now, all these adjusters work together. 
all on your claim, depending on what's needed. Bodily injury adjuster, kind of similar to the property damage adjuster, they handle the bodily injury. That's who I usually speak to from the liability insurance. Now, of course, if you need uninsured motorist, that's an uninsured motorist adjuster. If you need underinsured motorist, it's an underinsured motorist adjuster. So those get added on on top of that. If you are like me and trying to get more money for your clients and you need somebody to waive med pay, there's a subrogation adjuster that's in charge of that. So once the med pay gets kicked out, the subrogation adjuster is in charge of getting that money back from whoever's ultimately at fault. Yeah, all these people could be assigned to work your claim. So this is where, also sidebar, it drives me nuts that clients think they can do things themselves. This would be like, have you ever heard the story or the meme that somebody says, oh yeah, I can do that. Like when you look at these uh, videos and these memes of people like, oh yeah, DIY Panda, Oh yeah, I can fix my rusty car. Yeah, but I don't have half the machinery you're using, so that's gonna cost money. If you pay someone to do it, that's why you're paying extra because they're an expert. Oh, if I did that myself, I could do it. No. Same thing with attorneys and uh, personal injury firms. You think you can settle your claim yourself? You don't, you're probably gonna be a moron and claim that your, um, I don't know, back pain that lasts for a year was a result of a love tap by a car that you got rear-ended. No. That's called pure happenstance, and you're obese. It's ridiculous. So we'll get that on a separate, on a, on a separate day. That's a, that's a podcast for another time. But anywho, these adjusters... Like, if you're like Safe Auto, like, the general probably does the same thing. Acceptance insurance. They all do the same thing. They probably just hire anybody off the street to be your adjuster. So, needless to say, back in the day, I did not take the Safe Auto job. I'm like, no. F that. I'm not working with a bunch of morons who don't know what they're doing. And to this day, every time I talk to Safe Auto, sure shit. The adjuster's names are all Hispanic. Carlos Contreras, Pedro Hernandez, uh, Anita Gomez, uh, Joe Velasquez. And every time I talk to him on the phone, they speak uh, with a very uh, Spanish accent. And I have to educate them on how the law works. This is why I say auto. They don't do business in that many states around the country. But if you have the tiniest of fracture or cut or whatever... Oh, they'll cough up the 25k pretty quickly. I, I do like that about them because they got no else. They got nothing else. So yeah, this is why you need experts like myself to help you navigate with all these idiot adjusters. Because they not only before well before the pandemic they would take forever to do stuff because they just sit around and don't do anything. Now with the premise of oh they're allowed to work from home. I guarantee you half of them don't even have an actual office in their house. If you're like Brittany who used to work at the office, who came from Save Auto, they're not doctors. They're not experts in reading your medical records. 
oh, sure, you'll get the senior claims adjuster who's probably done it for, like, years and knows what to look out for. But even she is not a doctor. Or he is not a doctor. And, like, with all adjusters, you need proof. You can't just claim something unless it's a legal argument. For example, I can argue loss of consortium if you're injured and you can't please your wife. But if you want to keep collecting more money, loss of consortium in court is very hard to put a money on, to put a price on. So you better damn well hope your spouse is willing to testify. And if your spouse is like my spouse and she can't tell a lie to save her life, you're fucked. But yeah. So that's why it takes forever. If if you do everything right, it takes forever. If you do everything right on your own, you need to be patient. And nowadays, with everybody still working from home, these adjusters get away with literally being pieces of shit and doing nothing. Last year, when I had to settle my own cases, I realized that in one year, if I was able to get more money settled than both Taryn and Brittany, who were former adjusters, and I literally, literally am just looking out for the client, what on earth were you doing on a daily basis? Because both times, I'm sorry, both times, multiple times, I actually still keep the email just to get a good laugh out of the nonsense they would spew. They would always not want to do anything else. They always just wanted to negotiate. The actual portion of negotiating with the adjuster, 10 minutes to an hour on the phone. Tops. Everything else is waving subro, talking to someone else, uh, convincing the client to take less money, convincing the client that he's an idiot. I mean, all of this, ordering records, ordering extra stuff, sending out HIPAAs. I mean, shit, son. And those are two people who were adjusters. One worked for Nationwide, one worked for Safe Auto. I am here at Erie, Pennsylvania for the headquarters of Erie Insurance Group because guess what? Somebody who's an adjuster here used to work with me back when we were working at NCO Financial Systems. He was a skip tracer back then. Now, I also did some research and looked, is there a certain degree, like a bachelor's degree you could you could do to like prep you for being an accurate insurance agent or an insurance adjuster? No, there isn't. Okay. There's not a, like a trade school for that. Okay. Um, and since most of them don't require bachelor's degrees, well, kind of makes sense. But then I looked into... Um, Years experience. Well, it varies. Are you applying for an entry-level adjuster position or a senior position? But then also, they don't mention anything about any other expertise or like what exactly they're looking for. So, 
I find it very odd that this adjuster for Erie Insurance that I used to work for and help skip trace Spanish people because they owed money on their student loans. Somehow from... Okay, so when were we working together? Probably in, uh, I'd say... 2010, 2012. I seriously doubt. Because I first came in, I first ran into him in 2016 when I was working at the old firm. So I seriously doubt that in four years, he got enough training as an adjuster to now become a senior claims adjuster for Erie Insurance. And this motherfucker is ridiculous. Like, I've had him deny claims even after it's been won in arbitration. One time, I even sent him popcorn so he could see a video of how their insured admits that it's their fault for the accident and he still denied a claim. I'm just, like, baffled at the stupidity of this idiot. So yes, I'm here to give Erie Insurance a piece of my mind. Because adjusters, uh, it's probably up there in worse career choices that you could pick. Now, and here's the thing. Brittany now probably still works for Root Insurance as an adjuster, doing nothing from home. While on the side, teaching you how to work out. Um... Yeah, talk about uh, jobs that basically just take your money. Yeah, um, anybody with any little bit of willpower can do the exercises that you're teaching them to do. But then, see, that's the thing. That's where I firmly believe that the way you behave at home says something about your work and and vice versa the way you are at the office says something about the way you are at home like I can't fathom how these adjusters live regular lives if they like case in point another fun story for you I had an argument with an adjuster via email because they wouldn't accept liability and they said our client would make a terrible witness. They weren't wrong. Because this guy got in an accident a year ago. June 2020. Came to us a year later and wanted us to help him when the car's already gone because he left in the tow lot the whole time. Claims that all his medical issues are stemming from the accident. They're not. No doctor's willing to testify to that. The truck driver got his ticket dismissed because our guy never showed up in court because he was in the hospital, supposedly. And our guy's a drug addict. So, I already had gone back and forth with the idiot, arguing with him that um, 
we need to do something about this. And they, it's a, it's a trucking company, so they have a commercial policy. They're like, well, we'll give you a nuisance offer to make this go away. Okay, okay, well, well wait a minute. What's the nuisance offer? Because he's got about 50 grand in hospital bills. They did the accident alone. Okay, well, 15000 So this motherfucker is getting 15000 just for literally getting hit by a car a year ago. Well, hit by a semi. I negotiated said nuisance offer up to 18000 This motherfucker's on SSI, so he's going to be fucked anyways. Because he won't be getting his SSI unless we cut the check as a gift to a family member and they give him the money. So there's that. But the adjuster said, hey, I need to sign the release before you uh, before I send you the check. So he sends over the release and then he says with these Medicaid forms. I'm like, what the... What, me, there's no such thing as Medicaid forms. Oh, I'm sorry. You mean Medicare forms. Yes. And every insurance company tries to tell you that this is federal law and all these adjusters tell you, oh, we have to report it to Medicare. Yes, federally, you kind of do. But if these people have an attorney, the attorney already has to do that. So you having to do it also creates more problems. Whether it's Medicare or Medicaid. Medicaid, state level, you kind of don't have to. There's no statute that says you do. Medicare, you kind of do. But each company has their version of these Medicare forms they want us to fill out. Three sections. One, two, and three. One, if you have Medicare, yes or no, fill it out. Boom, done. Sign here. Section two, if you don't have Medicare, you go to section two. So that's what section two is for. And in section three, if you refuse to fill out section one and two, fill out section three, explain why, sign and date. So our client doesn't want to give the insurance any, any money. He, he obviously is on Medicare. Luckily for him, this guy, the excellent employee I am, already put them on notice just in case this were to be settled and we needed it. But the client's like, I don't no, I'm not answering that. Okay, section three, done. The adjuster arguing with me that um, box one in section one was not filled out. I'm like, yeah, he refuses to. So we went to section three. Well, that's all you're supposed to do. You can't do that. I'm like, uh, yes, you can. It is his right to refuse to give out that information. You have to report it. Okay, great. But it says right there, if he doesn't do it, he doesn't have to. Well, you guys are the only firm that's ever done that. Just because every other firm you've worked with doesn't read the fine print, I mean, that kind of makes me feel better that I know how to fill out these forms. Every time I've said we refuse to give out the information, and then actually half the time I just put refuse to give out the information so they don't have to put their social, and then in reasons why do not I don't have Medicare. And I have the client sign and date it. They don't need my social. Half the time, they already have it. So I already know this adjuster probably already has the social and date of birth. Because this client probably has other claim, uh, claims history. So let's not beat around the bush. You want to know if we're going to lie about it. 
So I'm like, these forms are filled out perfectly correctly. And he's arguing with me. Well, my, my Medicare compliance officer won't cut the check unless the box is checked. And I said, okay. Well, if that's the, if that's the situation, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to check both boxes because he doesn't have either. And then with a little note on the top that says, hey, um, he refusing to give any information. You need the box checked. Please see section three. You can't do that. Well, you just said your compliance officer needs the box checked. So it's checked. He doesn't want to tell you, cut us the check. Well, listen, if you're going to be difficult, um, our Medicare query runs once a month around the 22nd. I'll plug in the information we have for him. And if it comes back as a hit, I'll let you know. If not, we'll cut the check at the end of the month. If you want to do that because you guys, you and your Medicare compliance officer are obsessed with trying to figure out if he has Medicare or not, or want to know if we're going to lie about it, by all means, wait until the end of the month. This guy's not going anywhere. He's got SSI. I didn't tell him that part. Like, this guy's not going anywhere. I already told him it's going to be 14 to 28 days. So you do what you need to do. But I expect to check by the end of the month since you're going to run your query. Now, luckily for me, the ex, again, I'm not luck. I'm sorry. This is not luck. I'm an excellent employee and a hard worker. Hardest worker in the fucking room. I actually have a shirt that says that. So, I already told Medicare that this is settled. I already got them to withdraw and close it and we're getting in the mail the close letter because more than likely if he does have the social he's going to want something from Medicare saying they've paid zero so yeah but I had to edu- educate this moron over 10 emails about Medicaid Medicare what the statute says these forms are filled out correctly. Do you not know how to read them? I even send him, and I blacked out the people's names, forms that I submitted to other insurance companies that are filled out similarly. Like, this is completely okay to do this. They don't care. You shouldn't either. Your medical compliance, your Medicare compliance officer shouldn't either. And if he needs to call me, tell him to call me. No, no, he wouldn't give me the contact information. I asked for the manager, wouldn't give me the contact information. All right, cut the check at the end of the month then. I don't care. The case is settled. But this is the kind of moronic dumbassery. And this is someone for a trucking company that's in California. And he's a senior claims adjuster. I don't even want to know. They should they should have adjusters should have in the signature line of their emails a recent within 30 day photo of themselves so we can judge just how idiotic they look. It's ridiculous. Especially if you're for a trucking company, you need to be well versed in the laws of each state. I had another one, another adjuster for progressive who was trying to tell me this week. That um, so we settled two minors, 
they barely treated, so they only offered fifteen hundred for each. And the miners are getting less than a thousand bucks. And she was like, "Oh, because Progressive insures Uber, and this was an Uber driver that caused the accident." She was trying to tell me, um, "Yeah, these need to be probated." I'm like, uh, "No, they don't." This was after, mind you, September thirtieth. I think no, actually no. It was before that. Yeah, it was it was before I went on my vacation. Case settled. Told her, "Hey, go ahead and settle." With taking the offers for the miners, send me the release. A day goes by. I'm like, "Where's my email to release?" Oh, working on it. I go on my vacation. A week. I'm going a week. We haven't gotten the releases or the checks. What the hell? What's going on? Oh, these need to be probated. I'm like, uh, no, they do not. Well, the Uber requires us to probate every settlement. I'm like, for every minor? Because I'm pretty sure they don't require every settlement you probated. Oh, yeah, for minors. Um, well, sorry to tell Uber, but it's not their call. In the state of Ohio, if a minor receives less than 5000 bucks in their pocket, not even total settlement, in their pocket, it doesn't have to be probated. So tell your manager to call me if he has any questions. Or send me the statute where it says that private companies supersede the state Supreme Court. She didn't do any of those. She spoke to her manager. Manager said, well, show me some case law. And she called right back. Um, I need the case law. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You need to see, you need to see the Ohio Revised Code here. Ohio Revised Code section twenty one eleven dot. I forget what it is. No, my, you don't have to probate the money if it's less than five thousand. Can go to the guardian or parent, or the minor themselves. Oh, 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 oh I'm a mom. Thank you. I'll take it to the manager. Still haven't heard anything back. Where's my fucking releases? That was last week. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, Mexi, you're being too hard on the adjusters. Well, wait a minute. It's kind of like paralegals. Or case managers or whatever. Like I do. So, they're busy. They're busy people. Sometimes it takes... I even tell clients it takes me 24, 40 hours to respond. If I like you and you're not bothering me, I usually respond quicker than that. But yeah, attorneys same way. They usually say 24, 40 hours response because they're ha- handling multiple cases. The maximum amount of cases I've ever had at one time is 393. And that was working my current job. My old job, I think it was like 350. The lowest cases I've ever had is right now. Like 70, 75-ish. Like 100 in the ballpark. So now I've noticed that I can do more things with my time that before I was skipping over because I had too many cases. I get that. But I was still able to do a perfectly work, a perfect good workflow even with 350 cases or more. Even with the pandemic and my average demands dropping, I've sent out almost the equivalent of like 1,300 demands since I worked at my current firm. 
I did the average per month. That's like 30 demands a month. So, um, I, I looked this up. I, like I said, I did some research. I'm like, what is the average, what is the average claim, claim number for each adjuster? And every article said the same thing. The average adjuster handles 50 to 100 claims and they have to close, which means they either settle it, get rid of it, at least 50 of those a month just to stay afloat is what my research said. So that's basically what I have right now. 50 to 100, 75 to 100 cases. And remember, every adjuster handles a specific portion. So it's not like the MedPay adjuster. You can't flip-flop. Some the, if, if what I've yet to be the adjuster that's as good at what they do as I am at what I do. Because speaking the languages has allowed me to dabble in everything in personal injury. So I can settle a case, I can negotiate, I can do the intake, I can do the sub row, I can do everything. Case manager, sit out demand, request records, whatever have you. Meet with the client, yada, yada, yada. I've yet to meet an adjuster who's that competent. You take the med pay adjuster and ask him a question about something else. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm a... I, 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 that's that's the uninsured motorist adjuster. Oh, that's liability. Just I don't know what to do. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm cc'ing him in the email. These motherfuckers will even check their emails in a in a timely manner. I'm sure if I grabbed all their cell phones, they probably have unread text messages from the day before that they still haven't checked. So yeah. So you can't just grab a medpay adjuster and throw them into liability or vice versa. Or the property damage adjuster and the bodily injury adjuster. You can't do that. These motherfuckers don't even know because half the time State Farm, a.k.a. Snake Farm, big culprit of this. They ch- So you get hit by somebody who has State Farm. You also have State Farm. They have the same adjuster assigned to both of you. No, it's a conflict of interest. That's the only time. But it's the same adjuster doing the same bodily injury for both. Or property damage for both. Now, they don't flip flop. You can't take one adjuster and put them in someone else. No. So, think about that. 50 to 100 cases. Closing MedPay. Do you want to use MedPay, yes or no? Okay, closed. So, getting rid of 50, depending on what kind of adjuster you are, should be pretty easy. So the fact that these adjusters take forever to do shit, like send out my check that never got sent out to begin with, yeah, pretty straightforward. Why does this country allow people to just walk in and and then people walk... The... What's it called? The revolving door of adjusters is pretty is pretty pretty big. Like you'll you'll even and here's the other problem that most people don't understand. When you send stuff to an insurance company, make sure you send it to the main working fax and the main working email. Every insurance company has it. I don't know how Geico doesn't like to give out their emails, 
but every Geico adjuster has their own personal email. However, you want to make sure you send stuff to the main Geico claims email so that it stays in the actual claim. Because if you're sending shit to, oh, I don't know, the MedPay adjuster, you're then hoping that this MedPay adjuster puts it in the claim so that everybody else can see it before they get fired for not working hard or not doing their job. Because next thing you know, you're sending out email questions to the adjuster and nobody responds to you until three months go by and like, oh yeah, they're no longer there. The most annoying thing in the world to hear. So yeah, um, little tidbit. And since State Farm is the number one insurance company in the U.S., here's a tidbit for you. It's statefarmclaims at statefarm.com. Not that hard. All states is claims at allstate.claims.com. So, yeah. Liberty Mutuals, imaging at libertymutual.com. Pretty straightforward. So, yeah. There's other emails for specific stuff. So, auto medical payments for the med pay of State Farm. So, auto medical payments at statefarm.com. Pretty straightforward. Most other than that, Safe Auto claims at safeauto.com. It'll get to the claim as long as you put the claim number. Yeah. That easy. Because these mofos don't know what the fuck they're doing. No bachelor's degree, no experience, just sitting there like, oh yeah, I'm working from home. <laughs> no, you're watching a fucking Netflix movie. You're playing video games while being while claiming you're working from home. A hundred claims? Get the fuck out of here. So yeah, that's your lesson in adjusters and how to deal with these mofos for you. But again, if you're in an accident and you know me, you listen to me, you know what I'm telling you is legit and you know how hard I work, the moment you get in a car accident, I don't care if you're still at the scene, you know how to get a hold of me. That is it for today's podcast. Check us out next week. I'll let you know how it goes entering Erie's headquarters. Uh, like I said, we might do a pre-recorded live from uh, the trip. Haven't figured that out yet, but we'll see. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. All the episodes are on SoundCloud and iTunes. Hit us up. Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Let us know what you think. Hit us up on social media. Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, YouTube. You know the deal. And always remember, people... As always, where there's a Mexican, there's a way. Until next time.